0: All right. I think we've already said it, but welcome home to those of you in the room and online. It's great to have Danae up here this morning. She did a fantastic job. We'll get her to do maybe the next six weeks or so. Who knows? I can go on holiday then. <laughs> but uh, just so you know, Danae, uh, Danae D D is away. D, my wife is away. She's representing her organisation, uh, Saskatoon Pregnancy Options Centre. Uh, she's the executive director. If you didn't know, she's uh, at Emmanuel Baptist Church, just around the corner from where we live. Speaking about what she does and the engagement with the community of her organisation. So, but she does send her love, um, and she she loves being in our house. It's a privilege. Uh, for her to go away and speak in, in other churches, but she loves being at home. So if you're ready to come around the word, shall we pray? Why don't you get to your feet as we pray together. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for this day. It is a privilege, and it is an honor to be in your house, to be with your people, and to be in your presence. I pray that we would never take it for granted or take it lightly. I pray that each one of us, God, I pray that we've come with a hungry heart this morning. Whether that's because we know you well and want to know you more or because we don't know you at all and we're intrigued by what goes on here. I pray especially for those that don't know you at all. God, that in some way, something that we do and something that this community represents will cause their minds and hearts to turn to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. As parents, we go through the question-answering phase, don't we? It's always, with kids, it's why. Why, 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 why? Why do you want me to do that? Why is that so? Why, why, why? And eventually, we start out with really good intentions as a parent, don't we? And we start answering the questions to the, to the way that kids understand. But eventually we get to the point where it becomes, because, because I said so. Just, just me then. I know there was a few nervous laughter, you know, a few people going, oh, yeah, I get that. But it, it can be easy to switch off when questions are being bombarded at you. And I've faced, faced one or two times when small questions have had major repercussions. I remember one evening in October 2009 when Dee said, shall we? And nine months later, Judah was born. Say less about that. But We face questions in our life, don't we? Most don't have monumental repercussions like that. Men, what shall I eat is not a major life question. Women, what shall I wear? Neither is that. Although, men, if you are asked with the seemingly innocent question, does this dress make my bum look big, never, never, ever, ever answer, no, it's all the chocolate and crisps that you've eaten (laughs) make your bum look big. Mostly, we are looking for honest answers when we ask a question. Last week, we, we started this, or sort of restarted, but it's a bit, I don't know how we describe it. We, we, we've been doing a, a series on and off for a while called God Is, and last week, we started this, this part of it called God Is Trinity, God Is Three in One, and Paul last week looked at God is the Father, and I want to encourage you to catch up online if you weren't here Get a hold of it, watch it. It's got some great content, and Paul is is an incredible speaker. And in case you missed one of the videos that he showed that sort of more looks at the, tr- the concept of the Trinity, which is a really difficult concept to explain. No one has done it adequately yet because it's a mystery. But the Bible Project has a great video that begins to unpack it, and the QR code, which Danae said, we love to use, which is very useful. Grab your phones, and if you haven't already got it, just take a picture of it, and it will send you to the website. But in, in the Gospels, the books about Jesus' life, there's, in three of them, there's an account that describes Jesus being baptized. And we see in that moment... The the separateness of God, but yet God in one. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. I love this verse. It says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So we've got the two. We've got Jesus and the dove representing, being shown The Spirit of God being shown in the form of a dove. But then it says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Next week, we're going to unpack a bit more the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But today we look at Jesus. See, God is the Son. God is the Father. God is the Son And God is the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's interesting when you think about it that so many people have turned away or never turned towards Jesus, anti-religion or other religions. Yet in the world today, despite many objections, we are reminded of him every single day. Anyone know what date it is? What date is it? Sunday the... 2022. Yeah. So we're reminded every day because 2022 goes back to around the time of Jesus' birth. We know it's not the exact time, but it represents that time. Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. And history is split by Jesus' birth. So I want to talk about Jesus and what I want to remind us, if you haven't thought about this before, but the Bible is written in the language of the known. And what I mean about that, there's there's no talk of internet because they wouldn't know. There's no talk of cars, antibiotics, aluminium, aluminium, as we would say it. I'm not quite sure what we say in Canada. I know the Americans like to say it differently. There's no talk of any of those things, there's no talk of the printing press, because the authors wrote in the language of what was known at the time. When Jesus told stories, he he didn't tell stories of traffic wardens. He didn't tell stories of combine harvesters. He didn't tell stories of municipal governments. He told stories of concepts that people understood, sheep, parents, children. Money, simple agriculture. And so when the Bible talks about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and their relationship, it anthropomorphizes them. And what that word means is it takes a concept or characteristic and attributes human behavior to it to help us understand. There are no mice that walk and talk as far as I know anyone tell me any different anyone seen any different yet every day or every week we watch these mice Minnie and Mickey that we have anthropomorphized we attribute to them behaviors and characteristics and God does this to help us understand what is really a mystery the the mystery of the relationship of a God that is one, yet is three separate. The problem with mystery is that we often take these concepts and make God in our image instead of us being made in his image. Most people actually still believe in a Jesus in the same way that they would believe in Gandhi or Julius Caesar. Caesar. A person of history, a person of known, a person of import. And it's really not Jesus that we have a problem with. It is which Jesus? And that's the question that I want us to think about today. Which Jesus? Which Jesus do you believe in? Which Jesus do we believe in? Which Jesus do I believe in? And that little question has huge ramifications for my life, my world. People down through the ages have asked which Jesus. It's not wrong to ask which Jesus. You see, we're not here to do church. We're not here even to be better people, to hear someone talk from the front to help me be a better person on Monday. We're not here to sing songs or even to be a community. We're gathered in the name of Jesus to meet with him, to know him, and to be known by him. That's what church is about. There are many of the other things that we do that are results of us knowing Jesus. But which Jesus? That's the question. As the founder of our denomination, A.B. Simpson would say, we are here because of himself. There's nothing wrong with the benefits of Jesus the forgiveness, the healing, the provision, the family and community, the wholeness. But actually, those need to come through the person of Jesus. Are we, are we more concerned about the benefits than the person? See, the benefits come, sometimes they come outside of that relationship, through God in His grace gives us, but they come because we first meet Jesus himself, the healer, the forgiver, the provider, the one who puts us in family and community, the one who brings wholeness to our life. Robert Maddo, who's an incredible preacher and teacher, said, most people want Jesus, but we want him on our terms. The question, who do you say that I am, has become, who do you want me to be? Which Jesus? Have we reduced Jesus to our image? Are you still with me, church? Because there's a lot of silence out there. Hopefully it's because you're thinking, not sleeping. Which Jesus? Questions are not wrong. Asking which Jesus is not wrong. In fact, Jesus asked those around him the very same question himself. Matthew 16 says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he said. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus comes to us whether we know him. Don't forget that the disciples already knew him well. Jesus comes to us that know him and often to those that don't and says, who do you say that I am? The question responds and resounds through the ages to every single one of us. Which Jesus do you believe in? Today, just for a few minutes, I want to give us a, a glimpse of who he is through the gospel of Luke and I hope that you will go away and discover more of Jesus, not more of your, our favorite verses. And again, it's not wrong to have those favorite verses that that go deep inside us and mean something significant to us when we need them, but do we know Jesus? Do we know him? Go away and discover himself through his word. On the 13th of December 2006, some incredible, tragic, horrible news broke in the UK of some murders. They became known, and often still known, as the Ipswich prostitute murders. There was Gemma Adams, Tanya Nickel, Paula Clennell, Annette Nichols, and Ellie Alderton. And when I first read there, there was something that didn't sit right with the headlines, with me and, and, and other people as well. But we know that the media likes to sensationalize everything, likes a catchphrase, likes to label everything, don't they? But there was something that was wrong, and I, I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on what was wrong. Obviously, the murders themselves were wrong, but the way that things were being portrayed, and they were all defined as drug users and prostitutes, all defined by what they did, distancing them at the best, dehumanizing them at the worst. And, and for many of us, when we read things like that, we can't identify with their lifestyle. So it's easy to push them away, isn't it? It's easy to say, that's them, this is us, there's no problem. And when we dehumanize them, people by their labels, and maybe you've had a label on your life, we place no value on them because of that label. But on the, two days later, on the 15th of December 2006, Tanya Nichols' parents made an appeal for information. Still chokes me up when I think about it. We found out that some of them had kids. We began to see the little girls, the sisters, the daughters behind the headlines. And Maybe you've seen things like that here in Canada. Maybe the news broke over here and some of you may even remember it. Did it change? Did it change when you saw the person behind the headline, the sensation? Suddenly they became human. The parents talked about their little girl. Suddenly these girls were not them. They became us. See, the Jesus I want to talk about today Is the Jesus, when we read this account, when we know this account that I want to talk about, is the Jesus that took them and made them us? You see, at some stage, you were probably one of them, an outsider. And Jesus came in and he took the them and he made them us. See, the problem is a lot of things have been done said in jesus name some good and some terrible many people that don't know jesus will say well he wouldn't have done this or he would have done that but i believe one of the best ways to know the character of jesus is to see his interaction with people how does he deal with people A couple of chapters before Jesus asks Peter the question, who do you say that I am? There's an incident in a Pharisee's house. And Pharisees were those people, they were the culture setters, they were the rule enforcers of the day. The social media influencers, the people that said, this is in, this is not. And there's a, quite a long passage, and I, I wish... I wish I had time to read it all, but I haven't. And I want to give you the scripture and I, I want you to go away. So please take this down. Grab your phone, grab your notebook, and take this passage down because it's an incredible passage of scripture with so much depth. Luke seven, thirty six to fifty. And it talks about this this party that Jesus goes to in Simon the Pharisee's house. And in the middle of a a party, if if you're a follower of Jesus, you've probably read this so many times, probably more times than I have and heard people preach about it. But this woman comes in and she causes a scene because she comes in as a woman. Now, in in today's day and age, that doesn't mean a lot. Our golf clubs have gone mixed sex. There are hardly any, thank goodness, male-only golf clubs anymore. But this woman comes in to this setting that should really be just for men. She messes up the party atmosphere completely. People are chilling, they're having food, they're relaxing. The Pharisees are digging at Jesus as they normally do, trying to needle him, trying to trick him. And this woman comes in. She messes up the vibe because she starts crying. Not only does she start crying, she, with her tears, she starts washing Jesus' feet with her hair. Imagine that. In a culture where women should keep their hair up, tightly bound, because if they let it down, it shows that, that their, their reputation is a reputation of ill repute. And she takes her hair down and she kneels at Jesus' feet and she begins to wash him and the host gets upset. He's spoiling my party, woman. And then Jesus, he, he has a go at Jesus and he says, you know, if you were the real Jesus, you'd know what this woman is. You know what she was like. If you were a real prophet, you wouldn't allow her to touch you. So obviously, you're not the man that we thought you were. But Jesus, here's what's going on in this guy's heart. And he starts the conversation with the guy, I've got something to tell you. How many people know that a conversation that starts with, I've got something to tell you, is never going to go well? You ever had those conversations or, or, or done them? I think you just need to sit down because I've got something to tell you. Yeah. We need to talk, Simon. And Jesus says, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? This question, it may seem innocent to us, but the problem is, you see, Simon saw two things, and the woman wasn't one of them. He saw the prostitute or the woman of ill repute. The woman whose past Simon had defined her by. A bit like the news headlines, Simon believed the headlines. The Ipswich prostitute murders, not the little girls that were killed. He saw the prostitute, and it shows what he thought of her. He saw the waste of money, (laughs) shows what he thought of Jesus. He saw how she related to Jesus by being at his feet and weeping with thankfulness. See, what Simon didn't see was her bravery in walking into that room in that culture where she had no place to be. He didn't see her devotion, kissing his feet. But Jesus noticed. Well, obviously, you're going to notice if someone's kissing your feet. Simon didn't see who she was. She was a woman. Just the very fact that Jesus said, do you see this woman? Jesus was drawing his attention to something else. Something that Simon had not seen. Jesus didn't see who Jesus was. He didn't see... The devotion that Jesus had from his followers, he didn't see like Simon Peter saw that this was Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. But Jesus saw her. He didn't hold up her past, he held up her future. He offered her salvation, he offered her freedom, he offered her wholeness. See, in that room that was full of men, Jesus was probably the only man that wanted nothing from her, that needed nothing from her. How did he look at her? He looked at her with forgiveness, with love, not with contempt and not with lust. See, in that moment, in that moment, When Jesus looked at that woman, when he saw that woman, he showed us how he looks at you, at me, at us. He showed us that whatever your past is, there is forgiveness, there's wholeness, there's healing. see he did see her past he knew about her Jesus sees you but he sees your future and he sees your past but he holds up your future And I believe we're a church that does the same we see people's past we don't ignore it we know it sometimes But we hold up people's future because their future is in Jesus. Your future is in Jesus and Jesus in you. Do you remember the the bracelets people used to use? I don't know how long ago it was. WWJD. What would Jesus do? And they were great for a time, but they became like a behavior modification thing. I'll just look at that, I'll feel the guilt, and I'll do something different. That's the problem with them. But when we think about not what would Jesus do, but Jesus in me and me in Jesus, how am I being changed to be like him? You see, he will change how we see people. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves, not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus see? Who would Jesus see? As a church, can I challenge us this morning? Is that okay? What do we see? Do we see the gay man? Or do we see the young man that loves Jesus but's been rejected by every other church because of his sexuality? Do we see the rich businessman who maybe we could get something from them, or the frustrate frustrated Christian because he wants to be challenged and move forward and mentored in his life? Do we see the drug addict? Or someone that's so broken inside and just longs to be forgiven, loved, and accepted? Do we see the celebrity as they walk through the door of the church, our church, or just someone that wants to worship in a safe place? Do we see the aggressive young girl with the purple hair who pushes everyone away? Or do we see the future evangelist that reaches thousands, thousands upon thousands, and then started a global human, anti-human trafficking organization. See, that's, that's my friend Christine Kane. See, when she walked into church, she was a broken, aggressive young woman, but the church embraced her. Do you see them like Simon did, or do you see us like Jesus did and bring people in? I have nothing in common with them you don't, you don't have to know who them are. Move over there. Or do we bring them in close so that they become us, like Jesus did with us? I want to ask us, are we in this, this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing for what we can get or for who is in us? Do people see Jesus in us, in our workplace? Not on a Sunday. It's easy to do it here. Everyone's lovely here. Well, you know, excluding John Ravi we've got to make some exceptions to the rule, haven't we? You see, we carry his name and job description. Have you ever wondered, and I asked someone this the other day, have you ever wondered why we're called Christians, not Jesusians? It's the way my brain works. Because Jesus was his name, Christ was his job title. He didn't pass his name, yes, the family name. He passed his job description onto us. Christians, Christ-like, Messiah-like, the one who comes to bring freedom. That's what Jesus came to do. Luke 4 Incredible passage of Scripture, says, 16 to 21, He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, if we read this as followers of Christ, this is our job description. That's what we are called to do. Sight to the blind, freedom for the captives. Going back to that party, Jesus placed value and freedom on the sinful woman at the party. Will we? What are people's perceptions when they think of Christians? And had I got, Over the past couple of years, things have changed so incredibly and rightly or wrongly, Christians have stood up and proclaimed many things. Is that what the world thinks of us? Or do they see us making them us? Bringing in the broken, the captive, the blind, the lame. The amazing thing about this is not just how Jesus did the radical counterculture stuff of bringing that, allowing that woman and bringing her in. It was the fact that he said in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. See, that, that was the thing that set him apart from everyone else. It wasn't that Jesus did nice things to people that put him on the cross. It wasn't even really that they broke the Sabbath law. That was part of it. It wasn't the, the fact that it, when he spoke, he often spoke against the Pharisees. You nest of snakes. That's that. He hadn't read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, I feel. It, he probably might have not been crucified if he'd have read that. He'd have worked with people. No, no. It was the fact that he claimed to be the son of God. And that comes through being, saying your sins are forgiven to the woman. Who can forgive? I've just wronged John Ravi by implying that he's not a nice person see Ote is sat next to John Ote can't forgive me for the wrong that I did to John only John can forgive me for the wrong that I did to John you see Jesus saying your sins are forgiven was saying I'm the one who has been wronged against Sin is wrong against God. Jesus forgave the woman's sin. In that moment, he proclaimed himself, God, this is the real Jesus. If you ask yourselves, which Jesus? This is Jesus. The Jesus that forgives the sin. Not just of this woman, but of me. Of you, of us. Which Jesus will always lead us somewhere? If we don't know Him, we will be challenged with His reality. If we do know Him, we will be forever changed and becoming like Him, not by behavior modification, but by the very fact that He is in us and we are in Him. If we know Him and have Him, He will be everything we need. God is the Father, but He is also the Son. Maybe just not in the way that we understand. See, Jesus told people around him, if you want to know God, look at me. How we see Jesus will then affect how we see others. He is in us and we are in him. I heard the example given, read the example. It's like a bottle in the sea. The sea is in the bottle and the bottle is in the sea. That's Jesus in us and we in Jesus. And in that moment when Jesus said, look at me and you'll see the Father, it's like God taking a selfie. Hey, this is us. Do you see Jesus? The woman came to Jesus, a sinful person. How do you come? Because in this account, there are many different actors. There's the Pharisees. And I think most of us that have been followers of Jesus have acted... In the place of the Pharisee, (laughs) who do they think they are? I have. And if we're honest, we probably have all done that, especially as we've moved further and further along the road. But We come to Jesus. There's, again, another example I heard say, as one beggar, just simply telling another beggar where they found food. We come to Jesus. But it's not just how we come. It's how we go away. This woman came to Jesus, a sinful, broken, but thankful woman, and she walked away, a forgiven woman. And here's what I want you to leave you with. Dale, if you could come back up, that would be great. God looked at Jesus when he was baptized. He said, this is my son, my beloved son, whom I love and am well pleased. Here's what Jesus is doing, because don't forget, Jesus is God. He's looking at you, each one of you. He's saying exactly the same thing. This is my kid whom I love, and with you I am well pleased, I am accepted, I am forgiven, I am loved. This is the Jesus that I want us to know when we ask ourselves which Jesus. He's not just an important man in history. He's the Son of God. That is in us if we are his followers. Looking at you, looking at me, looking at us with his father's eyes. Saying, I love you. I accept you. You're forgiven. So Jesus is still asking the same question to us today. Who do you say that I am? Can we pray? Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that in some way, in in my words, and everything that's gone on this morning, I pray that people will come to know that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one who comes to bring freedom, the Son of the living God. I pray that that will be revealed to each of us, not just a church thing, people that are gathered in the one and only name of Jesus. I'd like everyone just to keep their heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. See, if you've been here before, you know exactly what I'm going to do. Set out a challenge to those that don't know Jesus, both in the room and you online as well. Because Jesus is asking you, which Jesus? Who do you say that I am? Am I just someone that you have heard the name? Am I someone that you have responded to? So I'd love, if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never made him, I guess, what we would term in Christian language as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you into that place of relationship with Jesus, where you're forgiven, where you're loved, where you're accepted. Or maybe you've done that before, but you've walked away out of relationship with him, and today you know you need to step back into that place of relationship. Or you're a younger person that's grown up in this church or another church. And your faith relationship has always been under the the family umbrella. But today God is saying to you, I want to know you. I'm asking not what do other people, not what do your parents ask you or say about me. What do you, who do you say that I am? Whether you're in this room or online. If you're online, you can... Click the raise your hand or just signify to someone that you're making that decision. But if you're here, all I want you to do is just stick your hand in the the air. Most people have got their eyes down, and this is giving you a few moments of privacy with God. There'll be one or two team around. That's okay. But I'd love to know that I'm praying with you. So who in this room is ready to say, yeah, that's me? We're just going to say a simple prayer after that. Saying yes to Jesus, yes to his love, his grace, his forgiveness his acceptance okay we're gonna pray I'm just gonna say some words and if you made that decision whether in your heart or online or just by putting your hand up why don't you say these words along with me dear God I come to you now and I give you my life Jesus I thank you for the life that you gave And I take hold of the life that you give. Thank you that you came to give me freedom. Thank you that I can now say you are the Christ. You are my Christ, the son of the living God. And from this moment forward, I am now your follower. In the name of Jesus, amen.